Good morning, Good News family. How are you guys? You guys look good. That much I know. Well, um, this morning is special. We have a, um, I mean, special for many reasons, right? We're here to worship Jesus together as a family to glorify his name. And, um, hey, I'm not, I'm not joking. I, I have like a um, attention deficit thing going. And brother, I need that T-shirt. Just to let you know, I love it. He has a T-shirt that says, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. I'm like, I want that T-shirt. Oh, my goodness. I had to tell you that just before we get going. So I'm not distracted anymore. Praise God. So we have with us some young ladies that are sadly, you know, it's like bittersweet. But they're going back to college. They were here for the summer, um, you know, and they're part of our signing ministry. You know, the, a couple of our deaf signers and uh, Summer and Abby. Can you lady? Well, you're yeah. Can you stand? Yeah, you're going to have to kind of switch spots. Yeah, there we go. Can we give it up for them? These young ladies have has been, uh, they're part of our uh, deaf signing team, and they've done an amazing job, third service, giving up their time to make sure that others hear about Jesus in a different way, correct? You know, we're, we're good news for all people, and they've been helping us do that. So we pray blessings upon you as you guys go back to school, and we pray that God will bless that which you set your hands to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray a blessing. Amen. Thank you so much, ladies. Appreciate you. And, you know, with that is, if you um, if you are talented in that area, if God has used you and, and given you the talent to, to be able to sign or you're interested in learning, you know, we got Amy who, who leads that, that team. And Amy is so ready to get some people on board and teach them how to do this thing and, and help us to reach that community as well. Amen. All right. So um, I, I did this during second service and. And I think it's fitting to do it here as well. God, uh, during worship and second service, has really stirred up my heart and with, uh, with, uh, with his heart. And um, as his heart breaks for the things that we're facing in, in our country. You know, we, um, I know that many of you guys heard about the, the shooting yesterday in El Paso. And then uh, early, early this morning, around 1.30 in the morning in uh, Ohio, uh, Dayton, Ohio, I believe. And so um, we want to pray together. Okay, want to pray as a as a family of believers. Uh, there are many people hurting. Um, they're not in this community, but they're in, in other communities in the country. Um, so, can we stand and please pray together? Hold somebody's hand next to you. Uh, ask them permission. Can I hold your hand? That's so you know. Make sure that that's okay first, especially some male and the female. You know, we don't want to cross any any boundaries there but just hold hands and pray with one another you can turn around that's okay that's what family does right and so we're going to pray for for everything that's going on look just don't just hear me pray but let's pray together father god we call upon you lord we call upon the god of all comfort lord we call upon you to bring hope Lord, in this hopeless situation, God, we pray for all those family members and and loved ones and friends that have lost somebody whom they love, God, through these senseless acts of violence, God. We call upon you, Lord, use this, 
use tragedies like this that Satan meant for evil, God, and turn it for good. Turn it to be worked out to bring you glory, God. We pray that the light of Christ may shine in the darkness, Lord. We pray that you will help us, the body of Christ, the family of God, the children of God, to bring light into every area, Lord, and everywhere we find ourselves. We pray, God, for comfort and for safety. We pray, God, that that you will be with the families of these perpetrators, God. So many of them uh, could be hurting as well, God, and now blame the blame that they must be feeling as well, God. May you bring peace, God, in our land, God. We speak against division in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that you will help us be agents of unity and agents of peace, God, in this troubled land, God. May you, Lord, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated. Um, I wasn't going to share this, but you know how you know me. I sometimes I do things that were not in the plan. So uh, after after second service, there was a young lady that I met. Her name is Mercedes, and she was pretty tiny, maybe eight years old, nine maybe, or something like that. But Mercedes wrote this did this picture of me. You guys can probably see it. There's a big old head, has big eyes. Um, doesn't have any ears, so, so she missed the big ears. But, um, but I love what she wrote. She wrote this. It says, you are good. Pastor, the best pastor. And you are about God. You have a big heart. We all have big hearts. And then she put this bubble coming out of my mouth. I love God. You know what? You know what I love about this? It says, there's a child giving me a word of encouragement. How she's seeing God seeing me. You know how simple that was? And it blessed me. So how can you do the same to those around you? Super simple. And God wants to use you to bring encouragement in that way. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's go into the message. You know, we've been talking about the, the culture of we, right? And for the last couple of weeks, uh, Pastor Jason and myself, we've talked about the culture of we, God. Meaning to put God first in our culture, right? And so uh, we've been looking at very specific individuals in the Bible, how we go about doing that. And Pastor Jason last week talked about Joseph. And in the life of Joseph, just the same way that in the life of Daniel, whom I, I talked about in a, a couple of weeks ago, we see a, a man whom Satan tried to strip his identity, his God-given identity from him. Right. And then we see how Joseph chose to put God first in what he did. And though he faced so much turmoil and difficulties in life and he found himself in places that he never thought that he would be. He chose to put God first. So um, this morning we're, we're going to jump from from the culture of, of we God placing God first to the culture of we us. About us, the family. Pastor Jason did a great job uh, a a few weeks back, well, actually more than a month ago, when he introduced us to this concept of this culture of us. And it was June 2nd, so if you want to hear the message again, you could go online and listen to it. But he says that us must be relationship-driven. He said koinonia means relationship, uh, fellowship. And he talked about koinonia quite a bit in that message. And koinonia is the definition of us. 
It's this fellowship, this, this relationship um, with one another. So today we're going to unpack this culture of us. And we're going to look at the life of some individuals. So I'm going to ask you again to stand up as we read God's word. <laughs> and some of you may be thinking, why we keep standing up and sitting down, standing up and sitting down? Well, I just want to, some of us came out in that environment, right? You know, when you get up, kneel down and get up. And so just don't want you to forget that. No, honestly, the reason why we want to do this is because we want to honor the word of God. We know that the word of God is, is alive. We know that it's powerful. We know that it's effective. And we want to honor God's word and that's where we're standing. So we're going to read out of 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning on verse 13. Um, so let's read. Once during the harvest, when David was in the cave of Madulam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephim. The three who were among the 30, an elite, um, an elite group among David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at that at the time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I will love some of the good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate of Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. Thank you. That through your word, we're able to see what you have done. Through your word, we're able to see what you want to do now. And through your word, God, we can realize that you will do what you have done and more. God, we thank you that through your word, you speak to us. I pray, God, that every ear may be open to hear what your spirit is saying. Every heart would be receptive, God. I pray, Lord, that we may be able to put aside our own preconceived ideas, Lord, and we may allow you to do a work in us. God, I thank you for your people. I pray, God, for transformation in this place, God, that will begin in our minds, Lord. Lord, use this vessel as I yield myself to you, God. May not be my words, but yours, Lord. Hide, my, hide me behind the cross of Calvary, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we are here in Second Samuel chapter 23. And so um, the, the book Samuel is a book that introduces us to three main characters. It introduces us to King Saul, introduces us to Samuel the prophet, and introduces us to David, uh, who will become King David. So we see that in the book of Samuel. And here in Second Samuel, you know, the book begins with the, uh, with the death of King Saul. So we see that happen in this book that we see the basically David becoming king and some of the things that he did as king of Israel. And then in, that's through Second Samuel chapter one through about verse uh, chapter 20. So beginning in, in chapter 21 through 24, then we see some of the, the good and bad things in, in David's uh, in David's reign and different things that happen in his life. But it's not really in any specific chronological order. And so we can say this, these last chapters, like chapter 21 through 24, it's, it's almost like a conclusion there. 
And so um, this is where we find David at this time now in a, hiding in a cave in Adullam. So we don't know exactly if this was the time where David was running away. It's not specific here in the text if David was running away from Saul at this time or it was when after David had already been anointed king. But we do get kind of a glimpse, an idea of timeline from the from the book of Samuel, second Samuel, chapter five. Actually, it, it may give us a glimpse, an idea that this may have been after David um, was appointed and anointed king of Israel. So let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 5, or, uh, verse 17, where it says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told, he was told that they were coming. So he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So, we can see that um, David now is hiding. We see that he went to this cave in Adullam. And we see that now the Philistines went out to find David. Because they heard that he be, had been anointed king. That's a problem for them. Because you guys remember that um, David kind of messed up the Philistines' plans, right? You guys remember when he was a young man and he showed up at the, the battlefield. And there was a, a certain big dude that was talking a whole lot of trash. You guys remember that? Yeah? And so he just decided, you know what? We're just going to kill this guy. Me and the Lord and the Lord's armies, you know, we're just going to go down there, kill him. So he did that. So the Philistines were not very happy with David. And needless to say, if they hear, well, David has been anointed king of Israel. They're like, oh, no, we got to take this dude out now, right? Before he gains any more power and before he starts mobilizing against us. So this is the picture that we have here. And so if you guys will put that map up there, just kind of want to. Um, show you guys where we're at in Second Samuel chapter 23. So if you guys see here Adullam, so Adullam is, is where David is hiding out. And then we see Bethlehem here, which that's the, the whale that David is, is really desiring to drink some water from. And we see the Valley of Rephraim right here. And the Philistines are all in this area. And trying to find out, okay, where is David? We need to find this guy, but he's hiding out. And so we have three guys, and you guys can stop looking at the map at this point. Thank you very much. <laughs> Do not look at the pink elephant. Yeah, some of you get that. But um, so now David is in this cave, and then three guys from his mighty men show up to his cave, right? So they're there, and, and we see there's about, just so you guys know, between Adullam and, and Bethlehem, it's about 13 miles or so, um, and the terrain is not like your nice little, um, you know, uh, paved roads and, and little trails that we can take on a run. Some of you got probably make that trek in a, in, in a, in a, few, in a few minutes maybe because you're runners. It will take me a couple days, um, but that's where they're at. So if you guys would take down the map, the guys show up, and these three guys show up at the, in the cave, and they're not named. These guys are not named uh, in this particular passage, and so it could be that they were not the three guys that were mentioned in the verses right above it, the three mighty warriors and leaders in, in, with uh, David's mighty men, but that these were three other guys from the group of 30 that showed up at, 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 the, at the cave at this time. So, so they show up here. And they go and see David. It is important to, to understand that 
David now makes a comment to these men. They hear something that David says. And basically, this comment of David opens up uh, uh, just uh, uh, some extraordinary events that happen. Uh, and this is a picture of the culture of we. It's a picture of what it means to be about us. So this type, this type of culture that David has been fostering and this type of culture that these men have is the type of culture that we all want to be a part of, whether we realize it or not, whether we think about it or not. But this type of culture is the type of culture that we, we want to continue to establish here at Good News. And this is a culture where we pay attention to the need. We pay attention and realize the desires that are there. Um, a culture that eliminates the obstacles by utilizing our gifts, and also a culture that cares for and honors those around us. So we're going to talk about those three points from this passage of Scripture. And the first one is that we pay attention. We are sensitive to the need. See, these three men showed up, and, and, and it's hard for me to believe that this is the only thing that David said. David made that comment to them. They says, oh, how I will love some of the good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. That's not the only thing David said. I'm pretty sure they began to talk, right? And they were having a conversation. They, uh, I don't know exactly where they came from, but they go there and maybe they're having a conversation about how David's doing. He's down there and the Philistines are looking for him and all this. But it is interesting that that's what the men focused on. The desire that their young leader had voiced. The need that they had. And the reason why I'm saying need and not only desire is because... The scriptures here in this passage says that it was during the time of harvest that David was there. Why is this important? Because during the time of harvest, there is lack of water. It hasn't been raining and this, perhaps the cisterns are dry. And there's no water in the cave. So, dude was thirsty. So he's thinking back and saying, oh, I will love some of the water from that well by the gate in Bethlehem. So they focused on that. Why did they focus on that? Well, because they were about one another. Because it wasn't just about them. And they understood that they were potentially able to fulfill that need. To take care of that need for David. So, this is extremely important. They were able to hear the desire of David's heart and that there was a need because of, they were close to him, because of proximity. This is an important component in the culture of us. Why? Because we have to be able to be close to others and allow them in in order for them and for us to be able to hear the need. Pastor Jason talked about Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 47 uh, on June 2nd when he preached on uh, Koinonia. So in verse 46, I want to highlight just verse 46, and it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Does this sound like they were close to each other? Yeah, Absolutely. They were close, and that's the reason why these men can hear David's desire, David's need. But David had to allow them in also. 
David couldn't be like, no, just, just stay there. I'm, I'm having a bad day. I'm just here by myself in this cave. No, he allowed these men in and they drew close to him. And that is important. When I ask this question, are you aware of the needs around you? Are we aware of the needs around us? And then what are we doing about it? Because it's not only being aware and sensitive to the need. I have to be completely honest. I, in preparing this, it's, it is difficult when you, when you read God's word and then you sense the spirit kind of doing stuff in you and, and saying some things. Because um, I realize that many times I, I lack the, the sensitivity being sensitive to the needs around me, or even paying attention. But even beyond that, at times you do sense that there's a need, but then you dismiss it. Then you're like, no, no, somebody else can take care of that need. Or that person, they got it. They got it. And just being transparent with you, I've been there. I've done that. Not proud of it. Perhaps you have as well. And I think that today the Lord wants to Highlight that, pay attention, be aware, but also do something about it. And that takes us to point number two. That's what these guys did. They eliminated an obstacle. Right? And that's what we do. In a culture of us, we eliminate obstacles in order to be able to fulfill a need. Verse 16 says, so these three broke through the Philistines' line, drew water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. You guys, can you guys read out loud the first three words in that verse? So? So the three? Is that what it says? So the three. When I read this verse, I was like, wow. That doesn't seem that important at first. But you know what that speaks to? That speaks to unity. They went together. It wasn't like one of them decided to meet the need. I don't know who made the first decision to say, you know what? We got to do something about it. But ultimately is they went together. So the three, all three of them, they decided we're going to do something about this. We're going to go meet this need. And that is phenomenal. That is an essential component to the culture of we, to us. It is essential because God has called us on a mission. But in order to be able to fulfill the mission, we have to do it together. And it doesn't, it doesn't work. Just this little group right here does, does their own thing. This little group, that group up there and right here. It doesn't work that way. We have a mission. We go together. It's just like you see those, those great warrior films, right? Where they all stand in the line. And there's another line behind that line and another line behind that line. Because if you penetrate one line, guess what? There's another line coming. And there's another line coming. And it's like waves, right? They went together. Very essential for this type of culture. There's another component in order to eliminate the obstacles that want to threaten the culture of us. And that is that they broke through the enemy lines. They broke through the enemy lines. Why is this important? Because they did what they were good at. They did what they were good at. They did what they were gifted and talented to do. See, 
this, what these men did, this couldn't be done by just any three dudes that showed up. You understand that, right? I mean, these guys were, were the fiercest warriors, some of the fiercest warriors of the time. They're part of the, the mighty men of David. You can read some of the exploits. Some of these dudes killed 800 men with a spear. Some of these guys, you know, defended a field, you know, by themselves that the sword stuck to their hand, killing Philistines. These guys were bad to the bone. If we're not a church, I'd be saying something else. But the point is, the point is, these guys were like, what was the, the Navy SEALs, uh, the Team 6, right? 16, whatever they are, some kind of number. But they were bad. So they, they had the skills to be able to go to Bethlehem and go get that water. But listen, God has given you gifts and talents and abilities that only you can eliminate that obstacle. See, these three guys can do that because they could, because they had the skills to do so. There are obstacles around you and limitations around you that God has specifically called you to meet that need. God has specifically equipped you to meet that need. There are people around you that I don't have access to. There are people around you that they need you. And that's what it takes for you to be aware, wanting to do something about it and utilize what God has already placed in you to do. Amen? So what are you good at? What are you good at? Perhaps you've been honing this skill. Perhaps you've been preparing and training, right? Equipping yourself. I pray that we're not a culture here, that we're not a church, that we're not a family, that all we do is prepare, that all we do is hone the skill, that all we do is sharpen the tools and don't use them. Because that's pointless, that's useless. There's a time of preparation, but there's a time to actually go and do something about it. See, by breaking through the Philistine lines to do what seemed impossible, this guy did something really, really lofty. And let's face it, some of us say, well, uh, I can't do that. There are things that I can't do. There are things that we look at and we say, whoa, that's really difficult. Um, I can't do something like that. That takes a a certain set of skills. That takes a a certain set of, of gifts, right? But listen, these guys, after they broke through the enemy line, you know what they did? They drew water. That is simple and practical. Yeah. Simple, yet practical. It doesn't take a whole lot to just go draw water. See, um, many of us focus on the gift. Maybe uh, many of us focus on the gift and we say, well, we can't, we can't stand up here like Morgan or Carissa and lead people into worship. That would be awesome if I could just do that. If I could do that and lead people into the throne room of heaven, oh, how wonderful is that going to be? And God has not called you to do that, right? Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. The point is that God doesn't look at the gift. He looks at what you're doing, what he has already given you. You know why? Because we are all made in the image of God. Every single one of us made in the image of God, but he has not distributed talents 
equally, right? Right? I just want to find out because, see, listen, I was talking to Pastor Isaiah, our kid's pastor, and he loves basketball. And he tells me, man, how I wish that I could dunk the basketball. But guess what? He had not been, he was not given that ability. He was not given that gift. Get what I'm saying? And he's a good basketball player. I played with him. So he's good, but he did not have that gift set. God did not give him that. But then there's other guys that do it effortless, right? Just like we see somebody leading worship and we're like, wow, don't ask me to sing. So God has not distributed the gifts in the same manner to everybody. He's the one that gives the gifts and he figure out, okay, this, you need this one, you need this one, you need this one. But this is what we do. We tend to look at people and look at their gift and say, you're awesome, you're lame. Especially in church. Love you. But that's what we do. You're awesome because you can do this. You're lame because you can only work with little kids. Oh, really? How about if God has given you the crazy ability that every kid, every little kid loves you for some odd reason, right? I have one of those in my house, my wife. Like, little kids just come up and they're like, oh, you, 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 and they're like, and they look at me and like, ah! It's not supposed to be funny. It's the truth. I have no idea why, but little babies and little kids, they love, they, they, she has the touch. A kid is crying, a little baby, she'll grab them, and they're quiet. I don't know why, but listen, if you have that gift, then why will you minimize what God gave you and instead of pouring it out on these little ones and saying, you know what, I'm going to help this little one really realize who their father in heaven is, that, that God loves them, and they, that they will know the compassion of the living God and that they will grow up perhaps to be up here on this stage leading people to Christ. But what we do is we minimize that which God has given us. So I'm here to tell you, it's not about a gift and your abilities to meet a need. It's how faithful are you being and utilizing that gift and ability to meet the need. Amen? So, this is simple. If you can't kill the Philistines, draw some water. That's simple. If you can't kill the Philistine warriors, just draw some water. God will send some people that could kill some Philistines. Amen? So that's what we're going to do. All right. Point number three. We see in this story that they have a culture that they care for and honor one another. That's a culture that we must be about. That we care for and honor one another. See, it's simple enough to see that these men... That they care for their young leader and they really honored him and respected him. Not because of what they said, but because of what they did, right? So, in the face of a ridiculous desire, and that's just on my personal opinion, I think David's desire and his need was ridiculous. Because, actually, the desire, because the need is probably legit, he was thirsty, but. Uh, listen, if it would have been me, right? If it would have been myself and then Charles and maybe Videgla, and we go up here and we, we get into this cave and ask David, 
Hey, David, what's going on? And David says, oh, how will love a drink from the well that's by the gate in Bethlehem? I would have said, uh, excuse me, um, that well is taken. Can we find another one? Just being honest. I'm pretty sure that it could be, there's, there's water somewhere else. Just not in Bethlehem. That's a detachment of Philistine soldiers there guarding that place. But that's not what these men said. Why? Again, they were about one another. And more importantly, they knew that they had what it took to actually fulfill that need and that desire. You know, care and honor for one another goes both ways. Because we could see how these men felt about David. But look at David. The second part of verse 16, it says that he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured out as an offering to the Lord. This is where I would have lost my mind. I mean, maybe you guys have self-control, but I would have lost my mind. You mean to tell me that we went to Bethlehem, we killed some soldiers, we're going at it, we're risking our lives, and we bring you the water, and you pour it on the floor? I don't know about you, but I read this as I, I would have had a problem. Just being honest. This is crazy, guys. You know what's even crazier? These guys did not get angry. See, they understood what David did. You know what this action told them? Your life is a lot more precious to me than my need. These three warriors understood what David was doing. Verse 17 says, the Lord, this is what David said. The Lord forbid that I should drink this. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. What an amazing statement. What a great statement David makes here. By pouring the water, he's saying, he, I'm, he's pouring it as an offering unto the Lord. He's not, he's not diminishing this man's sacrifice. But what he's saying is, I'm not worthy of your sacrifice. God is, but I'm not. I'm not worthy of this. So we poured it on to the Lord because it is about us, not about me. What a picture. What a picture of selflessness. See, leaders in David's time would not have responded in a way that David responded. See, as a young leader, as a as an appointed king, you have to do as a follower what the leader tells you to do. David didn't even ask them to go get the water. They did it because they knew they could and they wanted to meet a need. As a leader here in this context, your followers, their lives are at your disposal. So what David is doing here is transcendent to David's own culture where he's at. But he's fostering and developing a culture that it's not about me, that it is about us. That you are as important 
if not more. So it goes both ways. You're a leader. Whether it's in your home, whether it's with people around you, friends, family, at work, here in the church. And God is calling you and I to not make it about us. Can we say this together? I'm going to say it and then we'll repeat it together. It's not about me. It is about us. Can we say it? One, two, three. It's not about me. It's about us. The reason why I have you say that is not only to say it, is that you get it uh, in your heart and in your mind and understand that your brain doesn't process something as truth until you speak it out. That's why words are so important. So we're declaring that it's not about me, it is about us. And I have to have that mindset from what I do uh, as a pastor, from what I do as a father, as a husband, and I always don't. So I pray that you, will, you guys will remember that. Listen to what Jonathan, David's friend, said. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. And... As you guys know, King Saul was seeking to, to kill David several times. And David had an opportunity to actually kill Saul. And he didn't because he wanted to honor the man that God had placed and authority there, which is a message all on his own, man. But Jonathan, David's friend, says some words in, second, in 1 Samuel chapter 20 that I want us to read today. Because they're so, so important. This is what Jonathan said as, as David is running away, hiding from Saul and worried about Jonathan's, uh, basically, Jonathan's friendship and Jonathan's dedication to their unity. This is Jonathan says, uh, he said, go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left. And Jonathan returned to the town. Look at what he says. We have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. I pray that God's people, God's children, we have this sort of loyalty to one another. That we have loyalty to each other. And that the Lord could be the witness between this bond between us and our kids. This bond between us. I pray that God will bond us together by his spirit. His spirit brings unity. Can we stand please? sensitive to the needs around us. As a family, we're going to eliminate obstacles and limitations by using the gifts and abilities that God has given us. And as a family, we're going to care and honor those around us.
I sense that there are some that that perhaps don't have this don't have relationships that are bonded like this like Jonathan and David and I honestly pray that God will be bring people around you even from this same body that will be bonded to you that you guys will be bonded together that we can be that you guys can lift one another's burdens and God sees that pain that loneliness you're the child of God but you feel like you're not even in the house I pray that God will bring people around you surround you I pray that you will have the courage to step out to step out and allow people in desires do you see around us? What gifts and talents have God given you and equipped you with in order to meet some needs? How can you show that you care, that you honor those around you? of the needs around them. 
that they want to do something about it. And they want you to use them. Use what you have placed inside of them, God. God, I pray that no one here will minimize what you have placed inside of them, Lord. And I pray that you will help us as a leadership to help people find what you have created them to do. God, I thank you that you don't look at us as the super anointed ones and the ones that are not. That you don't look at us as the haves and the haves nots, God. I pray that we may be diligent to use that which you have placed in our hands, Lord, for your glory. Listen, if you're in this place and you are not part of the family, because you have not made God your father that's very important you can't be about us if you're not part of the children of God so if that's you today I want to pray with you I want to introduce you to your father so if you will lift your hand high and be bold don't worry about who's around you lift it high if you want if, if you have not made a decision to allow God to be your father and Jesus to be your savior and that you're committing your life to him I want to see your hand okay I think I see your hand back there sir can you come and join me up here is that you all the way in the back come up Yep. If that's you, if you're giving your life to the Lord and you're part of the family, praise God. Praise the Lord.